Today's title is called Everything Will Work. I'm going to say it again. Everything will work. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this beautiful Sunday morning. I pray, Father God, that you remove any of my thoughts, Lord. I want you, Father, your Holy Spirit to flow through me so your people can receive what you have for them. I thank you, Father God, Lord, already in advance for the changes that are already occurring in not only their lives, but in mine as well as I'm up here preaching your holy scripture, your holy word. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, Romans 8, 28. We've all heard this. Well, maybe not all of us have heard it. We're going to hear it again. Praise the name of Jesus. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, say all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. All things, that in all things, not some things, not this specific thing, not in what you think, no, 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 all things, God works for the good. So, in order for God to work, for something good that means that there has to be some type of negative situation can i get an amen why would you need to work for something good if, if it's already good you see there's obstacles in life there's going to be negative situations negative circumstances so that's why god works for our favor can i get an amen if everything in life were good there would be no need for God to work for us. If everything was always good and dandy, if we all went through life strolling with rainbows and butterflies and there was no negative situations, there would be no reason for God to work for our favor. So let's get that straight. You see, the enemy knows this, and what does he do? He throws obstacles in your way. There's going to always be obstacles. There's going to always be trials and situations. The Bible never promises us that there won't be problems, ladies and gentlemen, or that there won't be storms. Stop praying to God to take away the negative situations. No, you pray to God that we know that he's going to get you through them. There's a difference. Why is this happening? Well, because it's just the way life works. We need a savior. God needs to work in our favor. Stop praying for, for that. Listen, the problems, they're, they, they're, it's going to happen. There's going to be a storm. But God did not promise there won't be a storm. But God promises us the victory, that we will get through it, that we will make it, that we will overcome. Regardless of what gets in my way. Because God works in my favor. Why? Because I love God. Can I get an amen? You can put your hands together. Let's go, church. You believe that. So many times, and I'm sure you guys know who I'm talking about. I'm sure maybe there's a couple of you in here. That we allow these situations to get the better of us. It's happened to me. It's happened to everyone in here, I'm sure. Sometimes life can get tough. Sometimes we lose, the love, we lose a loved one. Sometimes, you know, people can be mean and cruel. Sometimes 
people in your job talk bad about you, backstab you. How many of you have ever been backstabbed before? I know I have. I know there's been situations negative in my life. No one here is perfect. We've all gone through some stuff. Sometimes we allow that to dominate. And the enemy knows this very, very well. We need to understand that we must be focused. We must understand that regardless of what comes our way, God is with us to the end. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. One of the most helpful things that you can learn in regards to the Christian walk and our Christian faith is what we're doing now. Amen. Those most of you I know are Christians. Is how to handle the trials that will come your way. I'm going to say this again. One of the most helpful things that you can learn in regards to our Christian walk is how to handle the trials that will come our way. Because like once again I said, they will come. But how do you respond? How do you handle them? What will be the outcome of your life? As a matter of fact, I'm going to put it even more simpler terms. What type of Christian are you? What type of believer are you? I'm going to dig a little deeper. What type of faith do you have? And this was interesting when I read this. And who puts it best? Jesus always puts everything the best. Come on now. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Look what it says here in Matthew 13, 20 through 21. And this, this is something when I, when I read it, I said, wow, this is from the ESV, the English Standard Version. I read it and it impacted me because I see this from time to time again uh, for believers. And it's, uh, and it's, you know, it's so true. Let's get in it. It says here, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy yet has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. How many of you know some people like this? That they hear the word of God, wow, they get so excited. They're filled with this temporary faith. That's what I'm going to call it. It's a temporary faith. Because once the trials come, oh, wow, they automatically throw the towel. They thought that, you know, once they, put, they face a problem or negative situation, they throw the towel. Once the going gets tough, they immediately back down. They're filled with all this joy, but all of a sudden, you see their seed is planted on a rock and not on fertile ground. And what happens is, is you get excited when you see the seed, but if you don't plant it, if you don't water it properly, you're not going to have a foundation. When the storm comes or a wind blows, that seed's going to just go away. You see, your faith needs to be rooted. It needs to be strong. We can't be a type of church. Uh, 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 you can't be a believer in God and have that half, uh, halfway faith, temporary faith. No wishy-washy. I like that. I haven't heard that one in a while. <laughs> you see, they didn't expect affliction. They didn't understand. You see, this comes with the territory. You see, narrow is the harder path. Narrow is the way to go. The broad 
path where everyone else goes through is where the destruction is. But that's the easy route. You want to go through the path of righteousness. You want to be grounded, rooted with your faith, always believing in God, always trusting in God. You won't back down because you know that regardless of how strong the storms are, how strong the winds are, how crazy the negative situations or circumstances is, how crazy or whatever it is the doctor may tell you, you know that beyond the shadow of a doubt that your king will never fail you. Your king will never abandon you. Your king will always have your back. Put your hands together if you believe that. <laughs> Glory be to God. These are the type of people that signed up for success, not for suffering. They wanted prosperity, not persecution. For once the trials came, they just fall away from it. And I'm going to give you a perfect example of this because I believe that there's a lot of us, maybe not you, the person sitting next to you, <laughs> which is no big deal, guys, because there's hope, okay? I believe that by the end of this, by the end of this, you guys will walk out of here completely transformed and walking with a different understanding, with a different knowledge. And this is good because, you know, change sometimes hurts. Change is good. Sometimes when you have that in you, because you know what? That means that God is growing you. You're being molded. You need to make adjustments. We need to constantly be making adjustments. I'm going to give you a perfect example of these type of believers in the Bible. Some of you are going to say, what is this guy saying right now? And I'm going to prove to you right now. Praise the name of Jesus that they didn't stick. They weren't that type of believer. Let me see how I put this. There's going to be times and situations in your life that you may, you may feel depleted. You may give up hope. It happens sometimes. Sometimes people allow those situations, you know, but thank God we serve a God that no matter what happens, you can always get restored. Always be restored. No matter what sin you've ever committed in your life. And I'm going to give you this example, and you're going to say, wow, I can't believe it. But at the end, God was glorified. Jesus was glorified. But before that happened, I'm going to talk to you about the disciples, all 11 of them. Look what it says here, Luke 24, 1 through 12. I'm going to read a little quick. I don't have much time, but I know you guys all know this story, but I want you to focus on what I'm going to get at once I'm done with this story. Real quick, this is, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago we had Easter Sunday. You know that all of us, we know Jesus is alive. Praise the name of Jesus. But look, I want you to focus on this. Check this out. Matthew, um, excuse me, Luke 24, 1 through 12. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the woman bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. Amen. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in the Galilee. These are obviously angels speaking to them now. 
The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of the sinners, be crucified, and on the third day, raise again, be raised again. Then they remembered this, his words, verse 9. When they came back from the tomb, this is where I want you to focus. They told all these things to the 11 and to the others. Okay, the 11, we're talking about the disciples of Jesus Christ. This is when Jesus had just resurrected. They get this news. They come running back, telling them that he's alive. And why is there 11? Because remember, Judas is the one that betrayed Jesus right before his crucifixion and then hung himself. Remember? Say amen. All right. So verse 10 says, it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and others with them who told this to the apostles. Verse 11, look what it says here. But they did not believe the woman. This is the, these are the disciples of Jesus Christ. They were with Jesus for three years, every single day, seeing the miracles, being with them, learning, studying. Imagine us being with Jesus, three years seeing him, praying with him, eating with him, hanging out with him, watching him do miracles, signs and wonders. They didn't believe the, the, the Jesus' own disciples negated it. They said, look, they did not believe the woman because their words seemed to them like nonsense. You see, that's not the type of faith. That Jesus instilled in them. But guess what? There's hope. It was sad that they didn't believe. Most people be, most of you are like, wow, I did not know that. To be honest with you, I was studying it a lot and I said, wow. And as a matter of fact, while Jesus was getting crucified, I'm not, I'm not downgrading the apostles, ladies and gentlemen, or the disciples. Don't get me wrong. I'm just showing you. Because later on, we know that these men obviously were the pioneers of our Christian faith. Praise God for the disciples. But I am letting you know that if you think you had an issue, you made, a pro, you made an, uh, an error in your life, you feel like you have betrayed Jesus. Listen, the disciples were the disciples. They didn't believe in what Jesus had said that he would resurrect until they saw him. As a matter of fact, it goes on, when he was crucified, there was only one disciple that was there. And it was John while he was being crucified. And we all know that Peter denied Jesus three times when, when they asked about if he knew who he was. Why am I telling you all this? Why am I getting so intense with it? Because there is nothing that you can do that God won't forgive you and that God cannot restore you. It doesn't matter what you've done. If you love God, everything will work in your favor. Everything. Later on, we found out. Later on, we obviously know the story. Once the disciples saw Jesus, you know, their lives really, that was their, that was their return, right? Kind of like the prodigal son. He was at home. He left, came back. There's always a time. It doesn't matter what you've ever done. Even if you have betrayed Jesus, everything will work out for you. If you love God, you can turn your life around. Jesus used his own disciples in a manner that you couldn't believe. Obviously, once you keep reading after he resurrected, what happened and all the books that were written and, and you know, the disciples of the Lord, come on. 
Or then after they, they had radical faith, their faith was sown for real. They didn't have that temporary, I have this doubt, I have that doubt. Don't have doubts. God is your fortress. God is with you to the end. You don't need to be weary. You don't need to have any doubts. If God says it, you believe it. We need to be a people that believe without seeing. We need to be a people that believe without seeing. What good is it? How can, how can I have hope for something if I already see it? How can, I, how can I project my faith if I already have something? If you already have it, you're not gonna, you're not gonna believe you're, it's mine. You see, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Do you need to see it to believe it? Or do you see it in here because you know that God put it in your spirit, then you visualize it, then you start believing for it. And then once you get it, you give them thanks. And then guess what? Something else is going to come. Something else is going to come. God is a God of constant progression, escalation. We don't regress, we progress. It's always, so the day that you are out of breath is the day that you can rest in peace in heaven huh, with the Lord. But until then, we got to keep moving. We got to keep believing. You see, God gave you one, one thing. You believed for it. Amen. Now there's going to be something else. But just because you don't see it doesn't mean that it's not there. You see, God has already done everything. The only thing now you need to do is manifest it into the spirit in the physical. It is finished. You are victorious, so why are you living a life of defeat? Ah, are you believing? Are you activating the blessings that God has for your life? Are you truly believing for your family? Are you truly believing? So, how will everything work? Let me put it very, let's put it, I got three main points. The first one, love. Come on now. God works for those who? Love him. Second one is believe. Faith. And faith we know without works is? That's Bible 101, right? Faith without works is dead. Faith without some type of action behind it is dead. You must believe. Like perfect example. You want to go to a good school. Amen. You believe in that. And then what do you have to do? Apply to for that school. Don't just stay at home playing video games all day, ladies and gentlemen. Put some action behind it, right? Come on now. Very simple, right? But then why is it so hard? Ha, ah, sometimes it's hard. But you got to believe. Believe and put action. And now number three. This is a good one. This is a good one because, you know, I'm going to get to that now. Hang on, I'm getting excited. I'm going, up. I'm going ahead of myself. Slow down, Albert. Slow down. Matthew 7, 7. Let's put Matthew 7, 7. Ask, say ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Ask, number three. How many times have you asked? Seriously, think about it, because I, I was thinking about it the other day. And let me tell you that I've fallen in this trap before. Well, we all, we all know that. That God is all-knowing, right? 
omnipresent, omnipresent, omnipotent, all power. He's everywhere. He knows it all. Can I get an amen? He knows the desires of your heart, right? He knows what you're thinking. He even knows what you're going to do tomorrow. So, you see, even, even this, is, this, is some very, this is some spiritual knowledge that you're going to gain. And, and the Lord showed it to me last night. And it's kind of like, why would God tell me to do something he knows the answer to? Have you ever thought of that? Right? Why is God telling me to ask? You already know, God. Why are you telling me to ask? Why would God tell me to ask? That's a good one. That should be a trivia question. Write it down. How many of you get the answer to that one? Ooh, you're close. But this is it. He wants you to ask. And wait, before I get to that, let me back up. The, the, the enemy would tell you that. God knows it all, so you don't need to ask for it. Why would you need to ask God for something? Listen, the devil knows the Bible. He does. He's been manipulating it for thousands of years. And it's not like you're sinning when you don't ask, but what you're doing is limiting yourself. Now, why are you? I've fallen in this trap before where I'm like, God already knows what I want, so why would I even ask him? Well, let me tell you why. Let's go to Proverbs 18.21. The tongue has power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You see, when you speak, there's power. When God created the earth, all of humanity, there's laws, spiritual laws. He even follows his own law. He follows what he establishes. That's why he tells you to ask. Because when you ask, you are speaking. There is power in your tongue. The devil doesn't want you to project anything. He wants you to shut up. Because if you don't say it, then you're not. It's a seed. You're, you're establishing it. Come on, can I get an amen? Are you receiving something? Ask. And it will be given. Seek. You have power to speak things into existence. You have power. You see, this is something that the church needs to understand. And as a people, we all need to understand. And even myself, it's like, wow. Why would God, ask, why would God tell me to do something he already knows the answer to? And the reason is because you have power. You can establish things. You can speak to the, to even, listen, you can speak to power. You can also speak death. You can speak truth. You can speak lies. Some of you need to change the way you speak. How many times do you speak downly upon maybe your loved ones? Even you calling someone an idiot. Stupid. Other words, we all know the alphabet, we're not kids anymore. And you don't even realize it, but sometimes you say things, even to yourself. Man, I'm an idiot. Man, I'm stupid. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I got the mind of Christ. I am a head, not the tail. I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I can do all things. No, you can't. Yes, I can in the name of Jesus. I bind you negative thoughts. I bind you, Satan, from my life. 
I bind you, spirit of, of sickness, of bitterness. Get away from me and my family. You don't belong here. Speak to it. Speak to it. And speak the blessings also over your life. See, that's how it works. That's how everything will work. God's in your favor, but you got to make sure you do your part. Speak. Glory be to God. Look what it says here in John 14, 13. Look at what we're going to start speaking, church. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Put your hands together if you believe that. Stand up, church. Stand up, stand up, church, stand up. Speak. And we're going to do something prophetic here this morning. Praise the name of Jesus. You see, God gives you the desires. You see, you're going to have your desire, but there's going to be certain seeds that God has. Remember, we each have our own calling. We each have our own path. There's going to be something that you desire that I don't desire. There's going to be something that I desire that you may not desire. But if you don't ask, you don't speak it. First, you got to ask. Then you have to trust, believe what you're asking for will come to pass. Can I get an amen if you believe that? Put your hands together. Come on. Amen. Everything will work. Everything will work. And make sure you keep on saying that to yourself. Outside and, the, and the, you know. Right now we're all here in church and it's amen and amen and amen. Glory. Because all of, we're all here motivating each other. But when you go out there and you see how the life is. Because we know that it's not easy out there. And there's certain things. Trials will come. But you continue to say everything will work. All things will work. Because I love God. And I trust in him. And those desires that you have. You ask, speak, believe. And regard, don't be that type of, of Christian that plants his seeds on rocks. Nah. Because then you're just an emotional Christian. The ones that you see hopping from church to church. The ones that you see that one day they're in church and then oh, the other day they're somewhere else. And so, No, 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 no. We are a people that are on solid foundation. We are a people that stand firm and believe. We don't wander off and wither off. Whenever the wind blows, we go, no. No. That's not who I am. And that's not who you should be. Either. That's not what God has called you to be. God's called you to have strong faith. Faith that's planted on solid, fertile ground. You're not going to wither away anywhere. You're going to start speaking things into existence. Understanding that you have power in what you say. And I pray for that all the time. I'm, 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 sometimes there's times where I get upset and there's times where I do things and I'm like, man, God, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. Some of you are probably saying, man, you know how many bad things I've said to my, you know, to my parents or to, 
to my wife or, or I don't know, or to anyone or just maybe to yourself. Listen, the way there's, there's, it's not over for you. It's not. Look, even the, even the, even Jesus' disciples themselves doubted Jesus. And guess what? They're, you know, they repented. The way to get out of it is to repent. Repent. And then you begin to alter and change. And you ask God to help you. Ask God to help you. And you'll see how your life will be adjusted. It may not be easy in the beginning, but there's things that, you know, we're sometimes conditioned as humans. A lot of us have good habits and bad habits. And those bad habits, we got to adjust and make adjustments. That's why we're here. Nobody's perfect. We need Jesus. We need God to work. <laughs> Amen. Right where you're at, I want you to just right there, just, just take a moment. To just think. I know, I know God is talking to a lot of you right now. And I want you to think of what you need adjustments with. Of what you're saying, what you're doing. Are you still believing? Have you given up? I don't know where you stand. But I want to take this moment right where you're at. Don't leave here today without asking God, repenting to God for whatever it is that you need to repent for. And then begin to declare positive things over your life. Whatever God has placed in your heart, speak it. Believe it. If it's in your spirit, it's because God put it there. Thank him for the adjustments that are already being done right now in this very moment. God, I love you. I thank you, Father. Forgive me for this, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that from now on, I'm going to be a better man, a better woman, a better husband, a better wife, a better father, a better mother, a better co-worker, a better servant for your glory and your kingdom. Glory be to God. Help me, Lord. And I promise you, your God will help you.